Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. We are up to Act 10 in our series on Acts. So there's two things that we need to know to understand this passage fully. And the first thing is that there was a law that was given to the Jewish people all the way back in Deuteronomy that said there are some foods that are acceptable for you to eat and there are some foods that are not acceptable for you to eat. And if you're going to be my holy people who are set apart to do my will, these are the things you can eat and these are the things you can't eat. And today, depending on how orthodox the Jewish person that you know is, there would be food that they would have never eaten. And so that was a law that was in place for many, 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 many years and a, a law that all the disciples who were Jewish would have followed. The other thing that we need to know is that this whole idea of being clean and holy and set apart meant that anybody who was not that way, if you associated with them, you could become unclean because they were unclean. And so it mentions it in Leviticus 18, but we hear about it a lot in the New Testament, this idea that Jews and Gentiles can't have anything to do with each other. As if you were a Jew that wanted to actually be a Jew that followed the law and was holy and set apart from God, even stepping into a Gentile's house would make you unclean. You would definitely not eat with anybody that was a Gentile. And in some cases, you may never even speak to them, depending on how far you wanted to take the law. And for those who don't know, when I say Gentile, it's anybody that's not Jewish. So in this room, is there anybody that's Jewish? No. So we are all Gentiles. Okay? So it doesn't matter what nationality you are, doesn't matter what country you've come from, quite clear line, you are either Jewish or you are not. And if you are Jewish, you are set apart, you've got rules you've got to follow, you cannot be made unclean by eating certain foods and you need to make sure that who you associate with doesn't make you unclean and not holy. And even though the disciples of the day, the apostles that we know, in this case who we're focusing on is Peter, even though they had met Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a filled their life. They are living, still following the majority of the Jewish laws, if not all the Jewish laws that they have grown up with. So Peter is a lover of Jesus, with, filled with the Holy Spirit, who is abstaining from eating certain foods because he doesn't want to be unclean. And it's having nothing to do with Gentiles because he doesn't want to be unclean. And so it's really important to remember that when we look at this story or what's happening in chapter 10 of Acts makes no real sense because what's the big deal? 
But think about it. If you were told that if you ate this food, something bad would happen from the day that you were born, the likelihood is that you would not be eating that food. I saw an interview with someone this week and they were trying out different types of foods from America and from like one of those YouTube clips when they taste things from America and things from Britain is what they were doing. And the American thing was a McDonald's burger. And the person opened it up and saw it was a McDonald's burger and said, I can't do this. I've never ever in my life eaten McDonald's and I've got a thing in my head that says when I get to a certain point, I will celebrate by eating McDonald's, but I cannot eat this. I've never done it and not even for this silly promotional thing for her movie, I'm not eating this. It would be 10 times worse if you were a Jew and were served some pork, which is one of the foods that the Jewish people still today probably don't eat if you were keeping to the Jewish law. They would be like, I cannot go near it. So we need to understand that that's the case. This isn't about what I want and what I like to eat and what I don't like to eat. This is way more serious than that. So as Pete told us the story, Peter is on his rooftop and he's just praying. He's praying because that's what he does. And as he's praying, he sees his vision of this blanket that comes out that has a mixture of different animals. And he hears Jesus say to him, kill and eat. And Peter's like, nope, you're not going to fool me. No way I'm going to go and eat that food. I've never eaten unclean food and I'm not going to start now, God. It happens a second time, the same thing. It happens a third time, the same thing. And Peter's like, this must be it. Like, this is my interpretation. This isn't what the Bible says. But this must be a test. And I'm going to pass the test and I'm not going to eat the food, even if it's in my dream. And then Jesus says in verse, in verse 15 of chapter 10, the voice says, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And each three times that this vision happens, the voice says the same thing. Do not make, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And so Peter is really puzzled and trying to work out what is going on. And before this happens, God has sent an angel to a Gentile, Cornelius. And the angel says, you are a God-fearing man. You're not only a God-fearing man, but you're someone who actually cares about the poor, you want to seek my face, go and send some people to this guy called Simon Peter and this is where he is and this is where you'll find him. And this is what we find in Acts 10, chapter 7. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devoted soldier one of his personal attendants. He told them what happened and sent them off to Joppa. So you've got a Gentile who God's appeared to that's told him what to do 
And as soon as that person's finished, obedience happens. There's no questioning. There's no, am I sick? Am I hallucinating? It's quite clear that Cornelius believed what the angel said and said, I'm going to do what the angel told me to do. And so when the guys from Cornelius get to where Peter is, they get there just after Peter's had this dream about clean and unclean things. In the same time in verse 19, and I know we're jumping around a lot, but I'm hoping that this will help with understanding how the story goes. In Acts 10, 19, it says, Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, so Peter didn't get like a clear, oh, this is what the vision means straight away. He's wondering about it. He's seeking the Lord and saying, what does this mean? Does this mean I can eat food, whatever food I want to now? Like what's going on here? But while he's doing that, the Holy Spirit says to Peter, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Now, the reason the Holy Spirit had to be that clear was because, again, three Gentiles walk up to a Jewish man's house and say, come with me. The Jewish man should be saying, get away from me and I'm not going with you. So Peter needed to know that it was okay to do this. But once Peter knew that, like Peter didn't question what the Holy Spirit said. He heard what the Holy Spirit said and was obedient. And he went with the men and went to Cornelius' house. And as Pete said, he walked into Cornelius' house and in verse 25 he says this, As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm only a human being like you. So they talked together and went inside when many other were assembled. See, Cornelius assumed that Peter was coming. So he gathered some people because he didn't just want to hear it for himself or his family just to hear. There was actually a group of Gentiles who were in Cornelius' house waiting, expecting that Peter's going to come. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That there's this Gentile that they get. Now, he got a vision from an angel, pretty big. He obeys what the angel says. There's no mobile phones to call and say, hey, just to let you know, we found Simon, Peter, and he's coming back with us and we'll be there at 3 p.m. tomorrow. But Cornelius expects that what the angel said is going to happen and expects that Simon is coming. Pretty cool, I think. Then from 28 it says, Peter told them, you know it is against our law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me, why did you send for me? This is huge. Peter gets a vision 
three times gets told what I've made clean, don't make unclean. He's pondering what it is. When he's pondering, these guys come and the Holy Spirit says, go with him. And in the space of less than a day, Peter has radically changed his theology on how he's going to interact with Gentiles. And I'm not just saying a little bit changed like, oh, well, I will do this small thing. This is a massive divergent from what he has done every single day of his life and what his ancestors plus ancestors plus ancestors have done. It took him less, well, people would say probably would have been probably like 24 hours, if not a bit more by the time during, and they stayed the night summer place, but let's even say two days it took them to do it. There wasn't a whole lot of let me go and seek the counsel of everybody else and see how this works itself out. There wasn't, God, you better show me 20,000 signs before I even obey you because what happens if I enter this Gentile's house and I'm wrong? He was certain that he heard from the Holy Spirit. And because he was certain he heard from the Holy Spirit, he obeyed. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile and he got an angel to come and visit him. So you could say, hey, Cornelius got it easy. If I got an angel, that would make it easy for me to obey. But still, he had to just trust. He sent these guys off to hopefully that there's some guy called Simon Peter at Simon the Tanner's house. In Joppa. That's all I know. Go and get him and he's got something he's got to tell me. That's still a major step of obedience, I think. This was a completely and radical change from all that Peter had ever done before. And then he doesn't even know really why he's been sent. The guys say, our friends got this vision and got told for you to come. He went with them and when he gets there, he goes, so why am I here? What's going on here? And so Cornelius tells him about the dream. Oh, there you go, four days ago. My, 24, my 48 hours was very wrong. Literally says here in verse 30, four days ago I was praying my house. And this angel came. And then verse 33 says this. So I sent for you at once, and it is good for you to come. Now here we all are, waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. What a great way of looking at it. Not, hey, we're all just waiting here, tell us what you have to say. But here we are, waiting before God to hear what the Lord has said to you. I just think that's a beautiful attitude to have when we come to actually want to know what God's saying, to clearly define that we are waiting before God. And yeah, we want to hear from you, but we want to hear what the Lord has to say. And then 34, this is what Peter replies. I've seen clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And then he goes on to tell Cornelius and the rest of the Jewish people that are listening the good news of who Jesus is. 
What an amazing statement of belief that Peter made. I can see clearly that God shows no favoritism. And that is pretty much one of the reasons why we all are here and that Jesus isn't a religion for Jewish people but he's someone for everybody because the Jewish people who did follow him and did think this is just an extension of our Jewish connection with God had the revelation to say, nope, God doesn't show us the favoritism. This is for you too. And then in 44, so between 36 and 43 of chapter 10, is Peter explaining the gospel pretty much. And then Peter says, and then, then sorry, it says in verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who was listening to the message. The Jewish believers who had come with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles too. For they'd heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to, to these being baptised now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? There's no response. I think everybody's like, I think this is a rhetorical question here. So, in verse 48, he gave orders for them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. And then afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. If you ever think about your week this week, the things that you did, the things that you didn't do, I wonder how much of them were guided by the Holy Spirit and your obedience to what the Holy Spirit was saying and how much it was just putting one felt in front of the ever and not even asking if there's anything that God wanted to say or for you to do. After Peter has stayed with Cornelius for a while, the news reaches the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles have received the word of God. And so when Peter arrives back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticise him. This is what Acts 11.2 tells us. Now, it's really easy for us to sit here and go, how dare they criticise God? Moving. But we have to remember, this is a radical change from everything they've ever done before. And I think we probably would be criticising too. If we had heard that something that we thought was that God had clearly indicated that we should do and then we heard that someone else had gone and did that thing, we'd have some questions. We'd be like, what on earth is going on? Can we even associate with you now because you've associated with those unclean people? Because I don't want to break God's law just because Peter has. So they pretty much said to Peter, what on earth is going on? And then Peter told them exactly what happened. And then we jump down 
to verse 17 of chapter 11 of Acts and it says this. And since this is the end of sort of Peter telling them what happened, how he got this vision, how he went to this house, all that kind of stuff. You can read it yourself if you want to. But verse 17 says, And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Holy Spirit, who was I to stand in God's way? So that's sort of the summary of what Peter was saying. I couldn't stand in what God, God did stuff. How can I say he didn't? How can I stand in his way? And then verse 18. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and started praising God. They said, we can see that God has given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. We have no idea who these Jewish people are. But they went pretty much just as quickly as Peter did from saying, you're breaking God's law to praising God because he's welcoming Gentiles. And these Jewish people would have been the same as Peter in terms of how long they would have kept away from Gentiles. And what we see from this point and what we'll see in the coming weeks of Acts is that this is where the major shift comes from it being just about what is happening within the Jewish community to what's happening in Gentile communities. Because we have stuff that starts happening in Antioch and Barnabas goes there and he gets Paul and brings Paul along to Antioch. And then Paul and Barnabas go before the Jewish council and say, we've got these Gentiles who are becoming Christians. We know that's good, but how Jewish do they need to be to be able to be Christians? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to follow our laws? And so the Jewish council makes a call as to how Jewish you have to be to be able to follow Jesus. But this is the first starting point of this whole revolution of who the Jewish people are actually reaching out to. And it's not surprising that it started with Peter. It was about 10 years before that Pentecost happened from when this vision happened. That's their timeline guessish. No one knows for sure, but the most wisest people who know these kind of stuff go around 10 years. And we know who spoke at Pentecost, Peter. So Peter is such an influential person within the Jewish community that for him to have the revelation meant it was easier for people to go, oh, there may be something to this. We have our purpose statement here that says, our purpose is to live surrendered to God's perfect will, motivated by the transforming gospel of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit is an interesting phrase, I think. And I think we can see from this story that that's how 
Peter lived his life. So this was an ordinary day for him until it wasn't. He wasn't coming and saying, I've got this problem, Lord, there's this Gentile and I don't know what to do about him. He was just seeking God like he did regularly. And then the Holy Spirit revealed something to him that radically changed his whole way of thinking. And Peter's response was, this is the Holy Spirit I'm going to obey. I think we would probably have many more steps in between that. I think the first thing we'd be asking is, is this really you, God, or am I just hungry? Like, is there some other reason as to why I'm thinking about food? Is someone cooking a barbecue down the street and I can smell it and I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if I could eat some pork, but I can't. Am I making this up? And then if we thought it was God, to immediately change our theology, theology is just a big word for how we view God and what we think about him, in case people don't know what theology means. Um, completely change the way that we actually live at the faith that we have. I think I'd be like, I'm sitting with God for, I'm fasting, sitting with God for a week and then I might put some legs to this idea. But Peter didn't. So what stops you from obeying as quickly as Cornelius and Peter did when it's the Holy Spirit speaking? For many of us in this room, we have been on this faith journey for longer than the 10 years that, the, that Peter had the Holy Spirit work in his life. So we can't use the excuse, oh, if only I am further along, then that might be helpful. If I had a few more years behind me. I'm going to play a game. So Catherine, I need you to come. Catherine's going to help me play this game. And what I need is I need, let's say, four or five people to volunteer to go with Catherine. And what you're going to do, I'll tell you what you're volunteering for. Don't volunteer other people, Matt, come on. What we're going to do is you're going to go in this room that is curtained off in the black that we cannot see. And Catherine will just hand you the mic. And what we want you to do is just say one word in a normal voice. And that's just, Hello. So just go in the room and say, hello. And then remember which order that you guys said hello in. And the rest of us out here are going to try and guess which one of the six people in the room have said hello. Does that make sense? So it could, so it could be really easy, it could be hard. Let's see how good we are at knowing these people's voices, hey? How, what do you think? Do you, who thinks that we're going to do really well? I think we're going to do pretty well. Who's doubt, who thinks we might get less than half? Okay, let's see. Go, Catherine. Okay, so this is the first person. Hello. I'll give you a minute to guess who you think that is. You think Jono? Okay, this is the next person. 
Hello. Okay, this is the third person. Hello. This is the fourth person. Hello. And lucky last, the fifth person. Hello. Okay, so we're going to come out in the order that we said it in. Okay, so who's the first person coming out? So the first person? Yes, Jono, we got it correct. Woohoo! The next person was Beck. Yes, we said that. The next person was Sam. Yes, Sam. Then Talia. Talia. And then Paul. Nice! Very cool. Who who didn't know what one of the voices were and just hoped that someone else did? Yep, there's a few people who are like, I don't know, but we just go with the crowd. Why do you think we could do that very well? Because we know them. And if we don't know them, there's enough people in here that could probably help us out. If there was a room of people that none of us really knew and I got them just to say hello to you in person and then went behind a curtain and said hello, a whole lot trickier because we're not used to the voice. But if you think about it, I pick up the phone and ring my parents and I just say, hi, Dad, and there's four kids in my family and my dad will say, oh, hi, Tan, how are you, blah, 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 and we keep on talking. I don't say, hello, it's Tanya, your daughter speaking. He knows my voice, even on the phone. And he, even if I bring their home phone and doesn't have call or ID or anything like that. Babies, they say, can recognise their mum's and dad's voice in a crowd. So if their mum is speaking, they'll look around and see their mum. If someone else is speaking, they don't. Could they know the voice of their parent. So if we're finding it hard, and one of the things I hear from lots of people when it comes to hearing and following the Holy Spirit is they say, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or not. So how do we get to know a voice better? We spend time with it. When we were doing that, if Catherine didn't say that was Sam, I would be questioning whether it's Sam, even though I'm pretty sure it was Sam. Now, even though I've known Sam for longer than Catherine has, I'm trusting that Catherine would recognise Sam's voice probably more than I would because of the proximity and time that they spend with each other. Even more so, if Kate and Jeremy went, up, nope, that's not Sam, we'd all be like, it mustn't be Sam. <laughs> Because the more you know someone, the easier it is to recognise their voice. And when it comes to obedience, if our concern is, I don't know what his voice sounds like, spend time listening to his voice. And even then, if you're not sure, sometimes you've got to just... Say Sam and hope that you're right. I'm just using you, Sam, because you're in front of me. Sometimes you have to just say, I'm not 100% sure, 
we're going to step in. And then when you go, oh, that is what his voice sounds like, the next time it comes a whole lot easier. Because you recognise what happened the time before. And if you get it wrong, God is not displeased with you. God will go, wow, how fantastic that you stepped out and took a risk and you want to hear from me. In Romans 8.14 it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so if we're led by the Spirit of God, we are his children and our children know the voice of their parent. John puts it a different way. Well, Jesus puts it a different way, really, in John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So part of it is doing what Peter did. Hey, God, I'm here. I'm spending time with you. And not just doing that when we want the answer to something. But that being part of our life. If I only spoke to Matt when I wanted something or needed to ask him a question, my ability to know him and to know his voice would be limited than if we just actually spend time together. Completely the same with our relationship with the Holy Spirit and God. And so if you struggle to hear the voice of God, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Take some time to say, here I am. I want to hear from you. And if you still don't know what that looks like, then the great thing is go to your Activate group and say, hey, I think this is what God said, but I'm not sure. How do I know? And you've got like eight, six, ten, depending what Activate group you're in, people to get insight into. Or go one-on-one with someone and say, hey... I really want to know what the Holy Spirit sounds like. How do you know when the Holy Spirit's talking to you? Because that can help us as well. Because if we want to be obedient, we first need to know who we're being obedient to. We used to have a saying in our family with our kids when they were little, and it was everybody has to listen to their own parent. And the reason that we would say this is Sometimes when you're parenting, what you're happy for your child to do and what someone else is doing is not the same. And so we would come into a room, there's this one scenario I remember very clearly, we're at a church that had a hall and in the hall that we didn't meet in had like a grand piano and a couple of kids were playing on the grand piano and really no one should be in there and no one should be playing the grand piano. So I go in there and see my two kids watching the other two kids play on the grand piano. So I say, oh, Daniel and Catherine, we're really not meant to be in here. Let's go. And so I got them to come with me. And they're like, oh, but they're still in here. And so I said quite loudly, everybody needs to listen to their own parents. So maybe their parents have said they could be here, but I'm telling you that you can't. And so we need to listen to our own parents and we're leaving. Now, partly I was trying to say, have your parents said you're allowed in here and should you really be? But do you mean I don't need to parent other people's kids? And then we'd say this often. And when we were at Matt's parents' place once with all our, all the cousins, like all the kids' cousins, 
I'm Daniel's the oldest cousin in our family. Some kids were getting upset because one of them had been told they were going to have to have a bath before and get into their pyjamas before they go home. And another kid from another family was like, I don't want to go to have a bath. I'm not having a bath. And so Daniel, as an eight-year-old, is saying to this person, well, everybody needs to listen to their own parents. So what has your parents said? So they went and, like, talked to their parents and said, Mom, do I have to have a bath? And they said, oh, no, we're not having a bath. We're just going to leave, like... And I'm like, oh, great parenting. (laughs) Um, But that is the way it should be. And who is our parent that we should listen to most? Our Heavenly Father. And that's why the Holy Spirit's come, to teach us in the ways of God, to show us himself. He's not hiding from us. He actually wants to help us grow, become more like him. And so... If what you think the Holy Spirit is saying is a good and godly and biblical thing, it probably is the Holy Spirit talking to you. It's a whole lot easier to say it is if it's something that you want to do. It's a whole lot harder if it's something that, like, I don't really want to do that, so I better just take more time. I better, like... But how brilliant would it be if we could all have examples every single week where we are just like Cornelius and just like Peter. Where when God wants to say something, we know it's him because of a relationship we already have with him. And then we change, we do, we go, we be, we say, because we're actually obedient to the Holy Spirit. That is the way that God is actually present on earth, that his kingdom comes, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven as so this isn't about what food we eat or what people we associate with. This is about our relationship with the Holy Spirit and being obedient, even if that completely turns our world upside down like it did for Peter. But because he knew it was the Holy Spirit, he moved and acted on it. Now I do want to say The Bible at other times and other places, people go and seek wise counsel to know what God is actually saying. So I'm not trying to say that we should all be people that like ignore the community God's given us and just rely on ourselves. But God wants to speak to you and he will tell you if this is something for you to act upon now, something to go get wise counsel on. But if it's time sensitive... Let's not make it longer than it needs to be just because we're like, I want to, I need a hundred different signs before I take a step. Let me just pray. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are God who does speak. And I pray, Lord, that if anybody wonders whether they speak to them, I pray that they will seek you and ask you and that you will reveal yourself to them. I want to thank you, God, that you're a God who wants us to be more like you and wants wants us to be people who are good ambassadors of yourself. So I pray, Lord, that we will hear your voice clearly and when we know that it is you speaking, that our response will be to obey God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.